Kia from your Every Nation Southside family here in Papatoitoi, Auckland. You are now listening to a podcast from our church service and we pray that you will be blessed by it. For more information, please visit our Facebook page or feel free to contact our church office. All right, good morning everyone. How's everybody doing? Good? I am blessed to be bringing the first part of this series, The Great Exchange. So today I'm talking about salvation and the Greek word for salvation is soteria. And this means savior or deliverer. Usually this word describes the rescue or deliverance from danger or destruction. So that's the Greek word up there. I do want us to think about three questions this morning. The first one is why did Jesus come to earth? Why did Jesus come? The second thing is why do we need a savior? And the third And the third question is, what are we being saved from? So why did Jesus come? Why do we need a savior? And what are we being saved from? You know, when I was praying about the sermon, I was asking God, hey, has there there ever been a time, Lord, where I needed saving? And I was sitting there thinking about it. And then all of a sudden, I remembered something that happened to me when I was a little girl. You know, when my father was alive... Um, he was a very busy man, and because he was in full-time ministry and he, re- it requ- he was required to travel a lot and just very, very busy, um, oftentimes he wanted us to have a break. So as a family, we would drive three hours away from where we lived. So we live in Suva in Fiji, and that's the busy city area. So he wanted us to go away from the city and the busyness of life so that we could enjoy family time and so he could have a break. It's kind of like how when you want to escape from Auckland and you want to go to Rotorua, you want to go to Hamilton or something like that, you just want to get away from city life. So pretty much that's what my dad wanted us to do. And usually my dad would pack the car with all the food and all the luggage and it would be so exciting and we'd get inside the car and we'll drive for three hours. And we did that often and my father always drove. But this one time my mother drove. And unfortunately, when we, and I was very young at the time, I was probably about six or seven, but the incident, um, I would never forget this because it was quite life-threatening, even though I was very young. It's amazing how when you're really young, you can still remember the things that happened to you, right? So we were driving along, and then my mother, unfortunately, we had hit a truck, and the, play, the location of where we hit him, it was this long stretch, and there was no houses around, it was just all greenery, and what happened was the impact of this accident caused our car to topple over, and we landed on the side, like at an angle, on a, in a ditch. But the ditch was very steep, and I clearly remembered as a little girl, that obviously I don't remember all of this, of what happened, but I do remember a little bit, and I remember that when I was in the car, I was holding on to the front seat. So I was at the back with my brother, and I was holding on to the front seat because the car was like this. And if I had let go, I would have fallen and hit, in, uh, hit the door. But all I remember as well is that there was water rushing into our car, rushing in, rushing in. And I just remember holding on to the front seat. And all of a sudden, I saw some people come and try to lift my brother and my mother out from this side. But because we were like this, I didn't want to let go. Then all of a sudden, the the door swung open. Can you imagine this with me? Are you guys picturing this? Okay, hopefully, unless it's not making sense, but it better make sense. Okay, so, well, I'm like this, 
And then the door swings open, and there's my father in the water, with the, and the water was up to here to him. And he's telling me, come, come, baby, come. And because I saw my dad, I let go, and I fell into his arms. And then he took me out, and it was so steep. I just remember people trying to lift us up, and because the accident was quite bad. And they lifted me up, and then all of a sudden, I saw blood all over me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm hurt. So I saw blood all over me. And I remember that we had gotten into another truck. So my father had put us in another truck and people were going to take us home. And I didn't know that my father, out of all of us, thank God, me, my brother, and my mother were not hurt. But my father was the one that had a lot of injury. So while I was at home here, my auntie comes with a bucket of water because she saw blood all over me. And, you know, a sponge, and she's trying to wipe me. So she's wiping me down, and she goes, oh, no, no, because it was, I didn't realize at the time um, this accident could have cost us our life. So she's wiping me down, and then all of a sudden she goes, oh, there's no cuts, no bruises. There's nothing wrong with you. And, but here am I going, oh, oh, <laughs> being dramatic, <laughs> as I usually am. But anyway, so, you know, honestly, because I, I was, like, crying, and then my auntie was like, what happened? I was like, oh, car accident. But I was really, really young. And so she starts wiping my leg. She can't see any cuts, any bruises. And she goes, are you okay? And I said, yeah. And then she realizes it's not my blood. And then I remember standing in the sitting room. There's a long a flight of stairs, and then I see my father. So he hadn't been home for about three hours because he put us in a truck to go home so that he could go to the hospital. So here's my father coming in crutches up the steps. And so he had risked his life. I didn't realize the impact of this accident. I didn't realize it was that bad because I thought, oh, well, everybody's fine. We're okay. No one has died till the next day. So it, it was a Sunday, and I know it was a Sunday because I should be in church my father, we always go to church. But this particular Sunday, we didn't go to church because my father was injured and my mother wanted us to stay home to be with him. I didn't realize this accident was that bad till my father called me. So he called me, and when he called me, to because I was playing with my brother, he called the both of us into the room, and here he was with his legs stretched out, the crutches on the side, and he was holding my mother, and my mother was crying and crying and crying. And so I, I was very young, but I still remember this. And I remember my father saying, it's okay, we're okay, we're okay. And I remember him saying to me and my brother, tell mom, it's okay, we love her, it's okay. And she just cried and cried and cried. So basically what I gathered was that accident actually almost cost a whole family. We would have all been taken out. And my father was just trying to console my mother. Thank God, we're okay, we're okay. So here he is with his, you know, leg up in a stretcher and everything, and, you know, in the cast. And he's just comforting my mother. And, you know, he's trying to tell her, it's all right, it's all right. But because my mom doesn't cry, my mom's very, she's a tough woman. So for my mother to cry, I knew God had saved us that day. So today I want to ask us, why did Jesus come? Why do we need a savior and what are we being saved from? But here's the thing, before we can truly appreciate what Jesus has done on the cross for us and why he came, we first have to understand where we are in relationship to this God. Amen? Okay, let's look at the state of humanity. What's happening in the world today? So the state of humanity... Actually, first of all, God created the whole earth. He created the universe. He created Adam and Eve, and he breathed life into them. 
Then he put them in the garden and he told them they, that they could enjoy everything except to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Thank you. But God also gave man the freedom of choice, and this is where it's dangerous. God gave man the freedom of choice, and unfortunately, Adam and Eve made a fatal decision that led to tragic results that has affected all of human history. And since then, since they disobeyed, all of humanity now has turned away from God. So the world population, we have about 7.2 billion people living on this planet. And of that 7.2, only 33% claim to be Christian. So what about the rest? I know that there's about 1.8 billion of the world population that actually fall into the religion of Islam. Some don't believe at all, that's 1.2 billion. But the state of where our world is at today, only a few people are following God. Only a few. So this is the scenario, and ladies and gentlemen, that means we have a problem. We live in a world that actually doesn't want to do, they, we live in a world, sorry, that has, they don't want to have anything to do with God, or they believe in a false God. They would rather live their life doing their own thing. Nobody tells me what to do. I want to do my own thing. Self is on the throne, and God is nowhere in the picture. This is the state of humanity. It's all about me, my wants, what I want to do, when I want to do it. So we have a problem. And because this has been happening since the beginning of time, all generations have turned away from the Lord. Today I will be sitting in the book of Romans, chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you can turn. If you don't have your Bibles, it's okay. I'm gonna, I've got it up on the screen. I will be looking at verses 10 to 19. You can follow me up here. This is what it says. There is none who is righteous. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood in their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. Verse 18, there is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth will be stopped, and the whole world may be guilty before God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Okay, yeah, this is the situation. Days pass, years pass on, and people still choose to live a life away from God. This scripture is describing the human heart. There is none who is righteous. I remember that I was going to church all the time, but that didn't make me right before God. I was just trying to do what my father told me to do, but before the Lord, I wasn't actually following him. And I want us to realize Something here in verse 18. There is no fear of God before their eyes. The state of humanity shows this. 
People live their life the way they want to live because they do not understand that one day their actions have consequences. And so because they don't know that their actions have consequences, there's no fear of God there in their hearts. So they will just continue to do what they want to do. And sometimes we will fall into that as well. Most times we do. But what we need to understand as well is that this life is temporary. Repeat that with me. This life is temporary. Say it one more time. This life is temporary. Okay. How we live our life here on earth will determine where we spend eternity. How we live our life here on earth will determine where we spend eternity. So you see, ladies and gentlemen, we have a problem. And the problem is there is a result for sin. The act of disobeying God is called sin. Another definition of sin is to miss the mark when you fail to hit the target in a sporting event. Obviously, the Bible's understanding of sin is much more serious than that. Sin is sometimes described as a trespass. The concept of iniquity speaks of sin's most troubling and destructive result to twist and pervert our inner nature. So why is our sin so serious to God? It is extremely serious because God is holy. The Bible says that righteousness and justice is the foundation of his throne. People have no fear of God because they do not know who God is. They have an idea of God, but they don't know who he is. So they will continue living their life according to, how, according to a God that suits their lifestyle. Does that make sense? They want to, to serve a God that's, that's selfish, like them. No, 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 I don't want to listen to what the Bible says. I want to do what I want to say. But what they don't realize, ladies and gentlemen, and what we have to realize as well, is one day we have to give an account for how we are living here on this earth. I will have to give an account for how I am living on this earth. I will have to give an account whether I am doing what God has called me to do on this earth. And so there is no fear of God in people's hearts. And there is no fear of God, maybe sometimes in this church. We have to have a fear of the Lord. We have to remember, one day I will stand before the Most High and I have to give an account of how I am living my life here on this earth. Ladies and gentlemen, that is what gets me up in the morning. That is what helps me get up and remember I have a purpose. I'm not perfect, but I remember that somebody came down. Why did Jesus come down? Because of this, the result of sin. And why is our sin, why is my sin, why is your sin so serious to God? In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, I don't have it up there, but if you're taking notes, you can write it down. Romans chapter 6, verse 33, it says, the wages of sin is death. That's what it says. How many of you love payday? Oh, okay, so only three people like to get paid. Okay, <laughs> what job are you doing? I'd like to be in that job. Everybody loves it, when it, and it's funny how everybody knows, okay, I'm getting paid on this day, so they look forward to that particular day. You work hard from Monday to Sunday or Monday to Friday, and then you wait in anticipation for a check in the mail, or you wait for your bank account to go, ding, there's some money in there. Your actions have produced you to get some wages. And that's the same thing as sin. Sin, the wages of sin, that's what the Bible says. The wages of sin is death. So in the state of humanity, people don't have a fear of God. 
Where is it going to lead us? It's going to lead us down to a path of destruction, a life eternally separated from God. Here's another scripture. You know what's funny is when I read the Bible, the Bible is actually reading me. When I read the Bible, the Bible is telling me that I have pride. When I think that I'm right in an argument and I think I should get my point across, I just have to go into the presence of God and then he's going to pick out a scripture that tells me pride comes before the fall. (laughs) I remember one time I had an argument with one of my friends. No one here. Don't worry. It's not anyone here. (laughs) I had an argument with one of my friends. And I've been in ministry all this time, but I'm still human. So I had an argument with one of my friends. And I remember I was so mad. And I just wanted to text her a whole bunch of things that would show my love for her. But really, (laughs) what I did was we were going back and forth. It's funny how when you send a text and then you read it the other way and you're like, "Mm, is this what you mean? So we were going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then all (laughs) I remember I had uh, in the afternoon, I had to go on campus and I had to speak to some people about God. So I remembered I had to calm down. I had to pray because we're holy, right? I had to pray because in the afternoon, I'm about to go and speak to some people about God, the students on campus. And I clearly remember when I went to my room, I was like, oh, frustrated. I put down my Bible. And I was like about to pray. And I clearly heard the spirit of the Lord say, don't come into my presence with that attitude. I, I was so convicted because I couldn't, you know, I know the presence of God. I feel when God is on me. I know. I feel him on me right now. But that moment, I clearly felt a block because sin separates us from God. You need to understand that. Sin separates us from God. So here am I with my pride when God, I clearly heard the presence of the Lord. I was trying everything to just pray, but I couldn't because I heard God say, don't come in here with that spirit. Humble yourself, call her. Don't text her, call her. And say sorry. You want me to say sorry? She's the one that should be saying sorry. Do you know what's going on here? A, B, C, D. And no, 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 no. See, that's the problem. Oh, no, sorry. That's the thing. When I'm reading the Bible, the Bible is reading me. And that's the same thing as you. And you need to understand something here, church. We are in a different season now. Winter has gone. Spring is here. And God is wanting to shift us in the spirit. But he can only shift us in the spirit when we choose to turn away from sin. He can only shift us. He will shift when you're ready to shift. And unfortunately, our pride, our laziness, self, it's all about me, always gets in the way of what God wants to do in your life and what he wants to do in mine. I always know when I need to get right before God because, and this morning when I was getting ready, he reminded me the greatest sin is actually pride. No, 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 God, I got this on my own. I got, no, 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 it's okay. Nobody in church can tell me what to do. I want to live the way I want to live. It's still pride. The Bible is always reading me. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. When this line comes up in the Bible, you need to hear it. Do not be deceived. Neither the fornicators, nor the idolaters, nor the adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor rivalers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. You know, when I read this, 
it tells me how high God's standard is for me. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. When I look at this, God reminds me that he will, he will judge me according to what his word says. Because God is holy and God is righteous. And it says in his word that if I am practicing these things, and there's more if you read it. If I'm practicing sin, I will not inherit the kingdom of God. And ladies and gentlemen, this is why we need a savior. Because we cannot do this on our own. I'm not perfect. I need changing all the time. Amen? The solution. So we've already explained the problem. And the problem is, the result of sin is death. Death is eternal separation from God. You can read Matthew chapter 5 and 6. You can read all those scriptures and it talks about how eternal separation from God is hell. And a lot of the times we don't like hearing that. But you know what? The truth will set you free. It is the truth that enables us to come into a right relationship with God. So the solution. God already came down with a plan to restore us back to him. And because God is holy and just, he cannot live with sin. So he came up with a plan to restore us. You see, he knew already that Adam and Eve were going to choose to disobey him. And so he already came up with a solution. Did you know that in the Old Testament, if any one of the people of Israel sinned, or if they didn't keep to the commandments, they had to be an animal sacrifice so that they could be restored back to a good relationship with God. Blood had to be shed so that they could be forgiven. Every time Israel sinned, the priests had to follow strict instructions so that the people could actually have another chance to get right. Make this right, Lord. How many of you have had a bad argument with somebody and you know, oh, you don't want to talk to them, but you know the relationship is broken, but the only way to make it right is both parties have to humble themselves, right? You want your relationship to be restored. So every time the people of Israel sinned, the priests had to follow certain instructions. It was so serious. And so if the priest had sinned, he had to bring a bull and they had to shed the blood of the bull so that and offer it as a sin offering to God. Blood had to be shed. And you know, the thing is, is they couldn't just bring any kind of bull. It had to be a bull that was spotless. If a ruler had sinned, they had to bring a goat. Not just any goat, a male goat. They had to be very specific. This goat has no blemish. It's spotless. Yes, we can use this. They had to offer it up. They had to shed its blood so that people could be forgiven. And if people sinned, they had to bring a lamb. Not just any lamb, but a female lamb. So there were so many rules as to how they had to bring sacrifices so that they could actually be restored. That's a lot of work. Do you know what? You know, imagine if you sin and then you have to go and look for a female lamb. You have to go and look for this. So imagine us way back in the day. This is what the people had to do. It's like Ulu has to go and find a lamb to sacrifice it so that we can be forgiven. It's a lot of work, ladies and gentlemen. And it, there's very strict regulations, very strict procedures they have to follow so that the people can be forgiven. They can't just sacrifice any animal. That is why in John chapter 1, when John saw Jesus, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God 
the one who has come to take all our sin. He is the perfect sacrifice. Sin to be forgi- for sin to be forgiven, blood has to be shed. For my sin to be forgiven, somebody has to pay the price. Somebody has to pay the price so that I can live in a good relationship with God. Amen? I want to hear some amen. Somebody had to pay the price because the result of sin is death. Sales, can I please just ask if you can get up on the keys? I want us to think about this. You know, in the court of law, if someone had actually murdered your mother, it's a serious thing. You will not take it lightly. You will do everything you can to make sure that this man goes to jail for what he has done to your family. You will not be sitting there happy. You'll actually want to see justice done, right? You, want, you will not sit there and just let him go. Plus, if he stands before the judge, what would a good judge do? He'll put him in jail. But what if the murderer says, no, 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 please forgive me. I was drunk. I didn't know what I was doing. Please forgive me. The thing is, justice has to be served. Somebody had to, has to pay the price for that crime. If we lie, if we sin, somebody has to pay the price because the result of sin is death. And I can't stand up here and, and assume that everybody sitting in this crowd has an understanding of what salvation really is. That my sin, your sin, put somebody on the cross, put Jesus on the cross. And see, God already came down with a plan because he didn't just come to die for you. Ladies and gentlemen, he died as you. He died as me because I should be the one on that cross, not him. You see, Jesus died as a sacrifice to pay the ransom. You know, kidnappers, they demand a ransom before they safely release their victims. Something has to be paid to release this. And so when Jesus came down to pay the ransom for our sin, he came down to pay it so that you could be free, free from slavery, free from addiction, free from fornication, free from pornography, free from all these issues. And the reason why I'm saying it is because young people, this is the very thing that traps our young people today is when they hide their sin and they're like, no, but the result of sin is death. And young people, I want to, especially if you're young today, please hear me. God has a destiny for you. God has a purpose for you. And he doesn't want you to be stuck in your sinful ways, trapped in that era, because he wants to release you and set you free to obey him. Amen? So the idea of salvation is that the power of God rescues people from the penalty of sin. We need to understand why did he come? He came to rescue us, to break off these shackles to break off the strongholds if you've if you look in your line of family and you see there's adultery happening all the time there's heart disease going on guess what the moment you say Jesus today I'm coming to you he's gonna break those things because this is the thing when you make a decision to follow God it doesn't just affect you it affects the line coming after you you want to see blessing come down on your family you've got to rise up and you've got to say God I'm not gonna live for my old ways I'm gonna live for you Does that make sense? And there's two people, two kinds of people that I'll be talking to in this room. The first is people that do not have a relationship with God. The second are believers that are here that have been walking with God for so long and your fire has slowly sifted out. 
you're no longer excited about the things of God. He is no longer your first love. Right now you're just getting by, just trying to tick the box of doing church. But this is not the God that we serve. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm very passionate about this because I've watched God do many miracles in my own life. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're here today and you have just been sitting in comfortability, you need to get out of your comfort zone. I have seen when God moves when we get out of our comfort zone. I'll give you an example. My two sisters, Sels and Tyler, we went to plant a church in Fiji in 2015. Was it easy? No. Was it hard? Yes. Did we have to get out of our comfort zone? Yes. What did my sisters do? They laid down everything. They left their jobs. Do you know how hard that is? They left their jobs. They left their family so that people on the other side of Fiji would hear this gospel that can save them and can save you too. It was hard. I was walking with them in Fiji and I saw this. The times that they would cry, the times that they were praying, God, please provide a house for us so that we can live. And God blessed them. On the other side, when they got out of their comfortability, on the other side was so much blessing. I saw it on the other side. Was it hard? Yes. But I saw the destiny and I saw the number of people that came to know this God because they left their comfort zone. Does that make sense? The same with Lorna and Zonda. They left their comfort zone and they went to take the gospel so that people would hear this truth to set them free. In that church, we had friends that marriages were about to break. People were about to get divorced. But because they came and told the truth, those marriages are here today and some of them are strongest leaders in that church. Because someone decided to take out, get out of their comfort zone. And I'm telling you, church, God is shifting something in the spirit this morning. And we can't be comfortable. We can't stay in comfortability. We can't be, okay, I'm just going to go to work and I'm going to come back home and do nothing with my Christianity. Ladies and gentlemen, this is why Jesus came down. is so that you could have life and life abundantly. Amen? It's life abundantly. I always laugh when people say to me, wow, you're in full-time ministry. That must be boring. I'm like, oh, maybe the God you're serving is boring. Because the God that I'm serving, I'm sorry, he's taking me everywhere. And he's used me. You see, I used to be very shy, which is very hard for you to believe right now. <laughs> but this is what God can do when you get out of your comfort zone. This is what God can do when you say yes to him. And some of you need to get out of that comfort zone because God wants to release some destiny this morning. God wants to do something greater. This church is gonna be an amazing church. We are gonna see so many people come to the knowledge of God and lives will be restored. Families will be restored. This is why God came. Marriages will be restored. Children, it only comes because of what Jesus did on the cross. It doesn't come from playing church. It doesn't come from coming and singing five, six, seven songs. It comes because in the secret place, God changed me. I want to follow you. Will we struggle? Yes, we will. But we'll struggle together and move forward and we won't stay the same. Because this Christianity is not an easy walk. But see, God doesn't want us to stay the same. He, it may be hard, but he will change you. That's the process of transformation and sanctification. And sometimes when you're too comfortable, God will allow a storm to come your way because it needs to put you back on your knees so you can be dependent on him because you've forgotten what your first love is like. And all of a sudden now you're more interested in the things of this world. We cannot so into the things of this world because this life is temporary. 
What really matters is what's going to happen when we die. You see, so the idea of salvation is that the power of God rescues people from the penalty of sin. And there is a battle between two kingdoms for your soul, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Did you know in the Bible it says that while we were still sinners, God came and died for us. While we were still in our rebellion. And because of his love, because of his love, the Bible describes God as a father. A father who loves. We just sang about it this morning. You're a good, good father. A father that loves. And it says the loving kindness of God leads us to repentance. It's because we understand, wow, God, you have forgiven me for my sin. I've made all these mistakes, but you have forgiven me. So the power of God comes down, his love comes down, and that is what shifts our heart to come to repentance, to turn away. Do you know that repentance is a choice? It's not a feeling. You have to choose to turn away from your, from your ungodly ways. You can't wait till, oh, I just want to wait till everything is okay. I just want to, oh, when the time is right, oh, when I'm feeling okay. You have to choose to turn away and turn to God. Then you see the miracles happen. And God wants to restore us back to a beautiful, beautiful relationship with you. One last thing before I finish. You know when, you know the story of Moses? Everybody knows the story of Moses and when the Israelites were crossing through the Red Sea. They looked back and they saw the Egyptians coming. Because the Egyptians were coming to try and take them back and put them under slavery again. And that is what the enemy tries to do. Is he always tries to come back and put you under slavery to what you used to be in bondage. And so if you're sitting here today you need to realize that this God that came down, died on the cross, paid your penalty, paid my penalty. He set us free. There's freedom, freedom to obey, freedom to not live the same way. God is wanting to shift us, but we first have to repent. Because of who he is, he is the God of, he is holy, he is righteous. That's who he is. And he cannot live with sin because in him there is no darkness. I don't know any other love like the love of God. Man. When I think about everything God has forgiven me for, giving me a second chance, I think about Ulu City said, I've been doing this for 10 years, but in that 10 years, has it been hard? Yes, but I have watched God forgive me for some of the things I have done. No, bad God, I won't ever want to spend eternity away from you. And I don't want my family to spend eternity away from you. So church, I want you to understand something is, why did Jesus come? He came to restore that relationship. And I know he wants to restore you. So can I just please ask that we all stand as I pray and finish today?